When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So Catherine Whitaker and myself, not here at 3 a.m. in the morning today, but here at noon, because we have a very special guest here. Before we start talking about all the players that have been involved in the semi-finals, and we are going to get to that, folks, here on the Tennis Podcast, we're going to talk about uh, Petra Kvitova and Daniel Collins, Karolina Pliskova, Naomi Osaka, Stefanos Tsitsipas, and Rafael Nadal. We're going to talk about all these people. But first, we've come in early Catherine has just run here in the hottest weather of the tournament for a very good reason because we have this gentleman here with us. Hello, Goran. Hello. Hello. Uh, you've just been playing. I've just been playing. I saw Catherine almost fell three times by <laughs> amazing running, and, and I was like, Jesus, look at Catherine. She's getting yeah. faster and faster. Yeah, Goran has the um, unique privilege of having seen us both fall over in spectacular fashion. That's true. Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, did you get a name out of it, by the way? Because I, I didn't get a name. I don't think so. I think no. that was in Belgium. Do you remember seeing me fall over in Belgium? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. And um, in McNocke. <laughs> and where did <laughs> she knocked herself down? <laughs> <laughs> and where did you see me fall over? Oh, I saw you falling down in Essen. Essen. Essen, but you were not falling. I cannot say that you were falling. You were flying. I was you were eagle. You were like Eddie the Eagle. You were you were trying to become yes. Eddie the Eagle. Yes. And uh, you almost succeeded. Yeah. You were in that three, four seconds, you were in the air. Yeah. Love is in the air and uh, you were in the air. I was in the air, yes, yes. Uh, just to fill in the blanks here, folks. I, I was in the air because... Uh, uh, we ended up at a, a, this was during my ATP Champions Tour days, and uh, we ended up at a, 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 at a nice like a reunion. A nice night out, um, and Goran gave me a nice drink. I didn't realize it got some things in it that probably I shouldn't have been drinking. And uh, yeah, I thought I could jump down a flight of stairs. It looked doable to me, and it <laughs> turned out it wasn't. Um, so uh, yes, uh, I've been called Eagle. Eagle, yes. By you, ever since. Right, that's that done. Um, Goran. I've been chasing you all week. I know. Trying to get you on the tennis podcast. And finally you're here. Uh, we've harassed you. We've tried to doorstep you. We've, I've, been, I've been offering to take you out for beers to drown your sorrows after last night. You've, you've said no to all of them. Um, finally you've given way. So thank you for that. But I still like you. you know, I like Catherine and you. You are the West Brom. You got me into this craziness. Yes. 
Yes, uh, that's why I gave uh, I gave this interview. And West Brom don't need you now, Goran. Reading uh, needs you. They always, they no. always need me. Yeah. We, we need each other. You know. <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter how bad or good we are. We, yes, we just to fill in a few more blanks for you, anybody who doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, um, Goran got so sick and tired of me complaining about my rubbish football team, West Bromwich Albion, always losing, that he, for some reason, got interested in their results and celebrated their survival from the Premier League in 2004 um, so as a result of that he's followed them ever since yeah, yeah. and you've been on the pitch I've been on the pitch in the locker room I met a lot of managers players and uh, you met Roy Hodgson didn't yeah. you yeah. Yes. and every year they send him a happy birthday message on Twitter so we yeah, are okay now but uh, we're going to be back in Premier League yeah we are going to Premier be League's not it's not where it's at Goran League One I've heard League One <laughs> That's where, the place to be. that's where Reading are headed very <laughs> soon indeed so go on tennis you are coaching you're here you're also playing the legends are you do you enjoy it <laughs> because I mean we were watching the match yesterday we were watching you a little bit Catherine and I and you looked like you were going through hell sitting down there uh, first of all, the seats are very uncomfortable. Right. It's very okay. tight to sit, and I was cramping, to be honest, by sitting down. <laughs> Is that why you always go to the toilet? Yeah, uh, actually, I didn't go. No. Uh, but uh, I know it's it's a big match, and for me as the coach, and for him as a player, to go to the semi-finals, and sure, I wanted to do him to do well. Uh, yeah. it, it was a good chance, but uh, you know, I was a little bit. I can't say upset. Maybe sad mm. after him playing so well. He played incredibly well, hadn't he? I mean, uh, Kyrgios, yeah, I mean, Vrinka, toughest draw ever. Zverev. Uh, yesterday he was not himself, especially first to say. But after third and four, I have to give all the credit to Luca because he really played a good tennis. Does, are there times when Milos wants it too much? But he was not with the, his legs, you know. He's a big guy, and when you don't bring your legs, uh, you look at his serve. He was served for the set, but kind of didn't have any chance. His serve was not there. Pui was returning his serve very, very easy, and the fourth set, uh, he could not give his serve over 180, 190, so it was not Milos. But I have to give all the credit to Luca because he really played good, good tennis from already second, third and fourth set he was a better player and he won, very simple It reminded me a little bit of watching you play against Agassi all those years ago, the big serve against this guy who has this great hand-eye coordination and great returns Yeah, but uh, people there forget that uh, Puy was top 10 player and for some reason, I don't know which reason, he slipped to 30 and that is not his ranking. He's, he is a young, great player who belongs to be in the top 10, top 15, mm. easy. So we saw real this week and, and, and yesterday. What's your policy on, on dealing with losses like that? Do you, do you leave the player alone for a bit or do you feel it's your job to, to be there and to, to help them through it? I mean, I've been to those situations, so we spoke this morning a little bit. I let it uh, go for a night, uh, so everybody's more smarter in the morning when they wake up, hopefully. <laughs> if they don't do something crazy during the night. But, uh, yeah, we spoke a little bit. I think he should be uh, happy the way uh, this season started for him. After, I don't say poor, but poor uh, season last year with injury. Every second week he was injured, a lot of injury, and last two years he was injured a lot. So, 
finally we had a good preparation finally he could say he was fit ready and without pain and he performed Miloshanić is back again uh, people fear him people talk about him about his game and he has a big game so he the goal was to put himself back on the map to be contender to win a grand slam and he proved here that he can do that so most important thing for him to stay healthy and then uh, we see what's going to happen when, when you talk about the, the what the goals were what, what are your methods coaching wise to try to help him to get there because every every, every player has different skill sets and weak strengths weaknesses what do you what are you trying to impress on him and, and bring to his game but his game is similar than my game you know big serve forehand coming in and it has to be everything simple I ask him what is your game I mean he says simple so let's do simple things you know concentrate on your serve concentrate on your forehand we work a lot of on his return which was in the past I thought is, uh, was not a perfect a lot of on his forehand volley which can be better but I wanted to make everything simple for him Don't, I mean we can talk about tennis all day but nobody wants to talk about tennis let's do simple 10 minutes and let's do on the court what's your position on because when Milos worked with John McEnroe John was all about his demeanour on the court wasn't he he thought that was really important for his tennis to bring some uh, presence presence yeah that's the right word some aura out of him Did, does, does that apply for you or is that uh, we irrelevant? are trying but I just told him don't yell too much because you have some guys who are yelling like Novak like Andy but they play better after that and he's the guy when he starts to yell he plays worst he's Pablo Carreño Busta so I, don't, I told him I don't care that you yell at me I don't even hear you what are you yelling who cares but then you cannot play. You lose a lot of matches by yelling. You well, why do you think that is? Why do you think he plays worse when he yells uh, and they don't? Because, I don't know, they, they, they kind of yell, but they try harder. They kind of, uh, that maybe Stressed. stress, and they take the stress out of the system, they play better. Him kind of goes down. I say, I don't mind you yelling, but at least you win the match. I don't want you to oh, yell and lose the match. It doesn't go together. So, to be honest, this week he was good. This week he was not yelling, he was ready, he was concentrated, like he knew what he has to do, and he was much more positive on the court. Which he, one were you back in the day, when you, when you would yell, because you did get upset? But I was yelling, but I never blamed my coaches. You know, I never blame my coach. Why, why did I miss the forehand volley? I mean, why is my fault if somebody misses forehand volley, four set, terriol? or you miss the serve I mean we speak about one kind of tactics but thing changes in the match and he needs to adjust he needs to find a way to adjust not me telling him what to do all the time there are rumours that they're going to bring in on-court coaching here at the Australian Open really? for men's and women's not not confirmed yet would, would you be up for that and if they did would you no, employ I would it? Never, I never go on the court in my life I'd be embarrassed to go on the court why? because I don't think it's good I can go on the court and we talk about something else, about the food, about uh, soccer, about West Bromwich, but this is sport, come on, they know, they play each other, they practice against each other, well, come on, you have to find a way, that's why you have a ranking, that's why the guy is number one, the other guy is number 15, that's why somebody... Some players, they're never going to be in top 10 because they can just, uh, they are like robots. They just don't know how to 
compete, how to play without guidance. Go, it's like uh, sending you in the, in, in, in the battle with the, with the lions. I mean, you have to find a way how to beat those guys alone. How, how did you handle it back in the day when you were in a five-set match and you have these ups and downs in a match? I mean, think of the match you had with Henman at Wimbledon or the, the final against Rafter. When you would sit down uh, between every other game, what, what would go through your mind? Okay, against Henma, let's say uh, the roof helped. I mean, the roof. The uh, lack of the roof, the rain helped. The you. Not having roof helped me. <laughs> but I tried to, you know, I was uh, looking at the crowd and count the people, uh, trying to find interesting people in the crowd just to cool down. But as soon as you start to talk too much with the, with the coaches, and uh, I mean, I can tell him from up there, you know, toss the ball higher. Everybody does it. Move your legs, bring your legs, or something, but. The rest is on you. I mean, this is individual sport. Uh, they know what they have to do. Mm. Stefanos Tsitsipas. What do you think of him? I love the guy. I am very impressed with the guy. This is, for me, the best young player by far. Really? Yeah. Maybe Zverev is uh, better ranked, but uh, Tsitsipas is, uh, for me, a better player. He has a heart. He He's not scared to hit the ball. He's not scared to come in. The way he handled it with Roger... I mean, it looked like the Roger was a junior and the guy. So it, it's uh, unbelievable. He might lose tonight. Uh, I think Rafa is a favorite, but he is impressive. Definitely future number one, in my opinion. How soon do you think that can happen for him? Uh, not yet. Not yet, but uh, definitely he put himself to be now one of the... He's going to be top top 10 very soon he's going to be now he's not anymore this young upcoming guy now he's he established himself as a guy that everybody wants to beat and he's uh, he's going to feel more pressure and pressure but he's handling pressure very well and uh, he's, he has this Greek uh, temperament uh, I, I like him he's really really nice is that something you can't teach or coach that ability to respond positively to pressure to rise to to the occasion rather he than seems shrink to love it, yeah he? Uh, no you you have it or you don't have it you have to be born with it he kind he is like uh, he is a arrogant but positive arrogant on the court which you need to be you know and uh, it's it's I love to watch him he's really and even if he has only thing that I don't like his game is his serve it's pretty awkward so I think sometimes he's going to break his back when he's serving but uh, if he managed to handle that a little better which I think he will in the future unbelievable player you, you know when you when you break through and you go from being somebody that nobody knows and you can walk around this place and nobody recognises you and then suddenly you have a match like he has just had and everybody knows who you are, and, and obviously he looks very distinctive. It's you, you know, it's Stefano Sitsipas, and that will that will grow. How do you handle that? Is it does, is that difficult? It is, but this peop, that's why we play tennis, and they play tennis, and uh, you know you have to be ready for the moment like that. If you don't know how to handle that moment, then uh, you can't be number one, or you cannot win the Grand Slams. And he is kind of enjoying. He was number one junior. Last year already he made a breakthrough by beating Novak in uh, Toronto and and showing the world that he is going to come very soon. And uh, 
he came now. <laughs> you know, he's ready. And uh, when I when you see him speak, you know, he's it's not over for him. He thinks he can win. He's coached by his dad, and that I mean, that's obviously working for him. But what, what do you think of that? You know, the the dynamics involved there. I mean, uh, sooner or later, he, they have to bring somebody. You know, look at Zverev. Uh, also, his dad was a good tennis player. You know, it works till one stage, and then you know they have to bring somebody, which I think is going to happen here also. Not yet, but uh, in a couple of years, definitely will 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 happen. Were, were you? Obviously, it was Milos who beat Zverev the other night. Were, were you surprised that that? That how uncompetitive that was for the first two sets, six one six one. I was not surprised. No? I actually, no, one, I was. Sorry. I was. Uh, I thought he can beat him because I mean, Zverev is a great tennis player, but he didn't do anything on the Grand Slams ever. So, uh, why is that? Uh, to be honest, I had no idea. And I, I, I saw the chance there. I told him, listen, why is he's not better than you? He's just better ranked than you. You go there and just uh, don't give him any rhythm, and he didn't give him any rhythm. He just uh, humiliated him first two sets. So it was uh, he needs to? I don't know what what. Uh, I mean, he's gonna. He's there. He's number three in the world. He knows what to do. But something when the Grand Slam comes, something is uh, with him strange. You know. If winning a match for yourself is a ten out of ten, what where does? coaching someone to win a match what rank out of 10 in terms of enjoyment and fulfillment is that for you but when we beat Zverev the way he beat him the way we talked uh, uh, that's also 10 you know because I really enjoyed watching uh, you know somebody working hard to achieve that and and uh, putting that on the court it's not easy you know it's easier to stalk and say and uh, but you need to perform like that and uh, seeing progress, it's, it's also 10 in a coaching way. It's, for me, it uh, brings me enjoyment that, uh, you know, that I am, uh, in the end, kind of not a bad coach. Would you encourage any retiring or retired player to, to go into coaching? Or do you think you have to be a certain type of person? Andy Murray, for example. Andy will be a great coach, I think. I don't know what he's going to do. I hope he still plays. But uh, let's say not everybody's for coaching. You know, some players their ego is too big to be a coach. So you can't have a big ego and be a coach. You need to put it in the closet somewhere. And so some guys they cannot do it. Some guys they're doing it very well. Uh, and you always learn something new and uh, each player is different uh, this generation is different so but for me it's a challenge and, and I like it I really I had the three good players that I coached and uh, I really enjoy it do you, do you go to bed and think about things that they need to improve oh yeah I think all the time what what can be better what can be done what uh, but I try to make things simple because as soon as you try to complicate things you get lost somewhere you know and and uh, so e- more easier is better for everybody. J- just on Zverev, Ivan Lendl came along to Andy Murray and, and got him over the line, helped to get him over the line and helped turn him from a great player to a, to a champion. 
what what do you think what do you do about it if you if you have got a player that's that good and yet it's just the grand slams where it's not happening what do you do about it yeah, but let's say Andy Murray is a, is a, is a better version or oh, same where of Ivan Lendl they play the similar tennis they they, they so it, it's a perfect match I always said that's like unbelievable from it's perfect match not every coach is for every player that's also not good because uh, people sometimes they pick the coaches players which I think is a mistake just because they are big names it's just okay I'm going to take this one because he's a big he can help me you have to know why he's going to help you you have to see what he did before what kind of game he had uh, if it was similar than mine uh, if it, what you can bring you cannot just co- take the coach just to take a coach and say okay I have a big name I have a magic stick and I'm going to turn you into the unbelievable and grand slam leader. That's not going to happen. Mm. So Andy and Ivan, perfect match. I don't know about Ivan and uh, Misha. Uh, Ale- uh, Alexander. Alexander, that's what we're going to see in the future. But uh, so far, I mean, it's not uh, some happening something spectacular. He brought him that so he can help him win a grand slams. He's still young, so he has time, but we'll see what's going to happen. Finally, how often do you see the video or the tape of Wimbledon 2001? Honestly, a couple of years I didn't see that. I just see when I come to, to London and then sometimes they show. But uh, I'm watching now this tennis as a coach, you know, watch the opponents, how they play, some guys, and I, I don't even know how they play, so I go and watch highlights, uh, YouTube. Uh. Did, does YouTube suggest your own matches to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? No, nobody wants to You know to when watch YouTube my... suggests videos? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't suggest the 2001 Wimbledon final. No, no. no, no. Any, you were, might enjoy. Were there any good dot, ones dot, here? Dot. Did, what, because I mean, today you've been out there today. You played a 36-minute match in the, in the Legends doubles, and it's going to be 40 degrees today. I seem to remember you not looking very happy in the heat in your career in in Australia. Is that is that true? I mean, uh, I didn't mind so much heat. I play a lot of... Uh, he's, he's got the tan of a guy that doesn't mind the heat, David. Hot, hot <laughs> yeah, that's, matches here. That's because he's sitting next to me. Look at that. But actually, the surface before, when you play a rebound days, was terrible, terrible yeah. on the heat. It was a sticky, ugly surface that you can, could not slide. Uh, this surface is much nicer, much better. And I have to say, what they did with this tournament is just amazing. You know, yeah. night matches, uh, new facilities, uh, they're breaking records with the crowd every year. It's just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. I know you said just finally, David, but I've got a question. Go on then. Why haven't we seen you do Strictly Come Dancing, Goran? Yeah. You, you get rumoured every year. Yeah, you I get excited. First of all, nobody asked me. I don't uh, believe, do nobody's it. asked no, you. Nobody asked me, and second, uh, I'm a busy man. I can't. <laughs> and no everything hurts. My hip, my <laughs> hips, they hurt. So I can't, you know, uh, I need Can to I, stretch my hips. Do I have your permission to start a campaign? <laughs> no, don't start <laughs> any campaign. Come on. He's already, been, campaign. he's already been made to support West Bromwich Albion because of me. Yeah, and now you're going to make him into wanna, a dancer. You ruin I my have life, a you sneaky guys, feeling you know? <laughs> you'd be good at it, Gore. You might surprise yeah. yourself. You'd be great at it. Right, that's happening. That's, it's yeah. happening. Right, OK. Okay, so okay, well, we'll go and watch the rest of the tennis. We'll be back with you in a, a few minutes on, on the tennis podcast. 
much. But Goran, lovely to have you with us. Thank you for finally giving in. It was a pleasure, guys. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So that was Goran Ivanisevic, and here are Catherine Whittaker. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. Hello, Matt. Hello, David. And we're in the pub. <laughs> we're in sort the pub, uh, the hotel pub, uh, after what? the evening session has come to a close. We've had all those matches that we referenced at the start, and, uh, and here goes. Stefano Tsitsipas didn't win in the end. Um, he's just been thrashed by Rafael Nadal. But let's start with the women's semi-finals because... We've ended up with Petra Kvitova against Naomi Osaka, who are going to play their first ever match against one another in a Grand Slam final for the world number one ranking. I mean, it could not be any better. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. And and but for a competitive second set in the Kvitova Collins match, today's women's semi-finals, I think, were pretty much perfect um, I know some people have had their say about the the roof decisions that were made and we'll come on to that but um, yeah brilliant competitive feisty first set between Kvitova and Collins I loved that Collins's feistiness brought brought a feistiness out of Kvitova that I've never seen before um, you know they were if she was giving it as good as she got it was great um, and then you know, obviously went to a first set tie break, which Kvitova took quite convincingly, and then 
um, the air rather drained away from the match. And I'm quite sure the the roof situation was a, a factor in that. Um, I mean, it is absolutely no secret that that Kvitova struggles in the conditions that we've had today, which have been intoxicating. Um, and I, I've said on the podcast before, mostly here and probably in New York as well, I, I really do believe that, I mean, fitness comes into it to an extent, but... There, there is a there's a natural comfort with heat which isn't related to fitness um, and Kvitova what, what doesn't do mean, have it what do you mean a natural comfort with, with I heat I think some people can, can handle it right doesn't mean they like it but I think some people can handle it and some people feel it more I think some people you know think of Joe Conter in that was it a second round match first round match maybe even the US Open a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. where she pretty much collapsed on the court it was a very controversial match because she had long treatment she ended up going on to win didn't she but Joe Conter is as good an athlete and as fit as they come you can criticise many aspects of her but I don't think anyone's got any pop to take at her fitness and she just she had, she had a panic attack out there I think because it was completely suffocating mm. you know some people some people in some circumstances something happens that is not about fitness do, do you feel that the the heat rule is right now because they revised it they've come up with this five point plan so that once the uh, the heat index is at five they then suspend matches on the outside courts and they can close the roof that's what happened at four games all during Kvitova and Daniel Collins and and the moment it went indoors Okay, it went to a tie-break, but really Kvitova was in her element and she absolutely won comfortably. And I think, and Collins knew what she was up against the moment they closed that roof. But do you feel that that is about right? Because Darren Cahill, I saw a tweet say, look, if you know, a bit like the rain is coming, if you know that the heat is going to end up exceeding the five level, even if you walk onto the court as they did at 4.5, if you know it's going to go to five, just start with the roof closed and stop everybody having that misery. Yeah, that, that's the only part of the rule which I think probably needs looking at. And also, not only is it better for the players to start under the roof if it's really hot, but also it means that the match can stay in the same conditions for the whole match. Yeah. Um, I think it was that shift into the indoor conditions which Collins found really difficult. I think... Obviously, Petra Kvitova is a better indoor player, but if they started in those conditions, they might have, you know, Collins might have got on, got off on the front foot and just adapted better immediately. Having to change halfway through, I think she did struggle with. I think it, I think it's broadly right that they've they've tried to rem- remove discretion and human judgment from it right they've tried to yes to design an entirely objective scientific system which is obviously not going to be perfect we obviously knew at you know the moment the sun came up this morning this is a roof closure day um and i think it's not quite right it didn't feel it just didn't feel quite right did it that what transpired today everyone knowing the roof would end up closed etc etc but then equally if you start bringing feel into it then you're then you're into the territory of human judgment again and that's what we've been trying to eliminate that's what we had with roger federer last year well exactly but i i i know why darren cahill was 
had some things to say about it, and that's because Simona Halep was was on a drip in hospital yes. for a long time after the final last year, which was played without the roof closed. And the, this system, this scientific system that we have this year, is subsequently been introduced it might not quite be perfect yet they might need to finesse the the details of it but i think it's a a, a, one of the least bad solutions if you like it's certainly better and it's it's much better communicated to the players they know that when it reaches five what's going to happen yeah yeah i don't know about you but i was on about 15 (laughs) four seconds after i left the hotel (laughs) And walking walking back to the hotel, which is where we are now, um, at I walked at about ten forty five at night. It was thirty six degrees, and I had to stop for a sit down. What well, what have you found it, Matt? Because this is your first time here, and and I, I haven't read your blog yet, but the, you've written in your blog about this, haven't you? Tonight, uh, go to tennispodcast.net if you'd like to have a read of Matt's blogs every day. Honestly, they're really good. I'm not not just saying it because he's sitting here, but they are good. Um, what did you think? Well, it was... Well, as I said in the blog, originally I was quite interested to feel the heat, get the full Australian Open experience. Briefly, you were briefly interested. And I quickly realised, <laughs> no, I much prefer it when it's cool. Um, it's, it's Basically, it's just too hot to play tennis outdoors when it gets like what it was today. And I just think we've... You know, what is the point of putting these players through such extreme conditions when you can put on the roof yeah and you know people say the roof changes the conditions but as Catherine said extreme heat changes the conditions as well because some players Mm. really can't deal with that especially at this stage of the tournament where you're within the same tournament we're talking about the singles here you're not disadvantaging anybody Mm. because everybody is playing on the Rod Laver arena now there's nobody playing on courts that don't have access well, so, certainly not in this in the singles tournament. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the other thing is, but they did. But to be clear, they suspended matches on yes, the, the, yeah, uh, just yeah. before True. the um, the roof was was pulled across. I think they suspended a, all the thing other with matches. the spectators as well. I mean, mm. we're, uh, we're going, going, going out into yeah. the Garden Square and seeing all the seats that were normally occupied empty. Um, it just tells you, people do not want to be out in there. Did you see the shot of the ball kid that couldn't, couldn't put couldn't his, put hand his down. hands down on the court? Oh, you know, yeah. the ones that kneel down at the net. He couldn't yeah. put his hands down because it was too hot. I mean, mm. sh- surely. So let's talk about the tennis um, <laughs> that we had as well. Um, Kvitova was well, she's, was like she's been all week. She was fantastic. Uh, Daniel Collins, I thought, played pretty well and, and made a good fight of it. She got a bit ratty about a fair few things in the match. Um, a few things went went against her uh, with the technology mm. failing, I believe, mm. on the net cord it, and stuff Carlos like Ramos that. in the chair. Yeah, yeah. There was a well, the let machine went off on its own as um, as Collins, I think, hit an ace, and Carlos Ramos called for a replay. She wasn't happy about that, and then it happened again, and just after she served, and she served it out, but Carlos Ramos didn't let her replay that point because it had gone off just after she'd served and she thought that was a little bit unfair but I think I think she was just frustrated by the whole yeah. situation to be honest um, but the other match Osaka against Pliskova was, was one of the matches oh, best matches fantastic. I've seen in a long time because I feel 
as though both players elevated their level beyond what we've seen from them so far in this tournament. Yes, Pliskova was a little bit more like the player that came back against Williams. I'm just really impressed with her grit in this tournament. I think she's shown us something that we haven't seen that much before. We know what a great ball striker she is and great server, but goodness me, she's hung in matches where she's been getting outplayed. And she's turned them around. I mean, she was not far away from beating Osaka today. Yeah, and disappointed as she was, she was very clear that she has no regrets about the match today. Mm. Um, she, In fact, she said she thinks... she she's, uh, I, I don't think she meant to sort of damn her with faint praise. Not that this is faint, but she said, I don't think Osaka can play any better than she did today. Well, Which was an interesting line from press. She said, I'd be surprised if she... she I think she said, I think she'd be... I think I'd, she said, I would be surprised if she played that well in the final. Because mm. that was sort of such great tennis that, that it's almost, you know, for anyone not possible to, to repeat it. I... I doubt whether that's true for for Osaka. I think Osaka can well, play that well again. I, I think Osaka had a, a small, a bit of a dip in at one stage late in the second set, and I think that was sort of drawn out of her by Pliskova's um, perseverance and persistence. But what I loved about Osaka today was just her body language. How excitable she was when she was hitting when she was winning points how up for it she was she doesn't get cowed by the moment at all I mean I know she's had a few moments in in recent months where she's questioned herself and her own demeanor but I thought she was joyful to watch Mm. today well it was about 20 days ago she put out that you know she gave that statement after Brisbane saying she was really disappointed with her own sort of performance and body language and and, you know you see her today if even if she has a a moment where she gets a bit negative she snaps out of it so quickly yeah. and as you said this joy just comes over her face and I popped out onto the Rod Laver Arena just to watch the final set and do you remember that popped out he just popped out onto the Rod Laver Arena <laughs> you can you see he's got a pass courtesy of the tennis <laughs> podcast courtesy of you our Kickstarter backers that brought Matt here do you remember that Federer Nishikori match at the O2 Arena where I said I wonder if they were playing with strings <laughs> this was the exact opposite they, they only seemed to have the centre of the strings. They yeah. were just finding the centre of the strings with every single shot. How and cool is that? It was, it was mesmerising to watch. And the way Osaka, I mean, she's just, she just seizes moments, doesn't she? She just rises to occasions. And yeah. Pliskova was knocking on the door for a break at the start of that third set. And Osaka was honestly having to clean lines to to fend her off and then she kept doing it and got a break herself and she learned mm. she, she she might not be here if she hadn't had that experience losing to Serenko in the semi-finals in Brisbane she instantly had the self-awareness to recognise all the things that weren't good about that performance seems to have instantly learned from them she seems completely to have learned from in particular the, the Shea match which she referenced herself uh, impressed today and the Sevastova match. She was loving you know. the pace today, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. After, After all but that. Yeah, I mean, she took to the court, you know, thinking <laughs> this isn't going to be as tricky. You know, she might play brilliantly and I might lose it and everything, but I, I'm probably going to enjoy it and relish it yeah. more. It's not going to. It's not going to be a head spinner. It's not like. going to be a head spinner in the way that those were, and and the fact that she came into this year already a Grand Slam champion and. Uh, seems to have learned 
learned and gr- learn and grow. That's what we're all supposed to be doing, yeah. isn't it? That's been, what Andre been... and Ag- Agassi and Grigor Dimitrov are doing. I've not done enough growing, um, but <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? Usually, it takes you sort of even. It takes you a while to sort of come to terms with your <laughs> your flaws, rec- recognize them, even then come to terms. Then there's sort of a there's like a seven step or nine step process of you know first acceptance that or no last is acceptance whatever it is anyway she seems to have gone through all of that mm. in turbo and, time and she's so open about it i mean her, yeah. her her press conferences and interviews get sort of viral viewing because she comes out with these brilliant hilarious one-liners that you just don't see coming but sort of beyond that she's also very open about her struggles on court mm. what what she relatable thinks she needs to work on she's she's happy to share that and it's it's great to see yeah it's well, not yeah we will fully preview the final tomorrow but just as a very quick comment I, i'm so excited about mm. watching How that have final they never played? yeah well it was a point was made to me tonight that um frankly the last two years are really when Osaka's been playing tennis and, and a lot of it, Kvitova was unable to play tennis or at least six months of it. And, you know, but it is still surprising that they haven't crossed paths because, you know... But then, wasn't it, Osaka's beat was seven to do in the world a year ago. So, incredible rise. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a no-lose match for the, for the sport and for the fans. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, if you're a particular fan of one of those two players, you, you won't feel like that. But... I just can't. It's a good it's one hard for to imagine it being disappointing, isn't it? Mm, yeah. It might be straight sets, but I hope it's a classic. It yeah, deserves it's, to it's be, really hard it? to imagine that not being at least good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good luck keeping count of the winners in that. Yeah, because both of them can. Just and as Matt, yeah, we'll we'll preview it properly. But as Matt said to me earlier, the first set is. Absolutely everything. That f- Osaka has won her last fifty-nine matches after winning the first set, and Kvitova has she's, a. She's won her last twenty-two Grand Slam matches after she's won the first set, and oh. has won her last eight finals. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's good. The stats. stats will the stats will come that will flow. These are great stats. Generously tomorrow, um, I promise you. So that's the women's final. The men's first finalist is Rafael Nadal, who won tonight six-two, six-four, six-love against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Um, I think it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from Nadal. I really do. Uh, I was certainly on a hard court. And I thought Tsitsipas, okay, in the third set, mentally he'd gone. He just could not cope with what was happening out there. Um, and we'll come on to his press comments in a moment that, that I, I attended afterwards because I was just really interested to, to, to sort of find out what his body language was like can you come on to it now because I I've I'll tell you in a second I just want to talk about the the match itself because I commentated on the second set when Sitsabas I thought did a great job of just dusting himself down he went off the court after the first set and he came out and he took it to Nadal and he got to four all and he was trading with him but Nadal's level tonight it was it was frightening. It was intimidating to watch him. The the way he was just so full of energy and so full of determination to just dominate this guy. And he's so polite in his post match interviews with John McEnroe. He will not rise to any of the old. You know, you put these young lads in their place. He doesn't give you any of that. And yet, everything he does actually on the court is is it just feels like I'm going to just take you apart with well, my bare hands. And Carlos Moyer admits that Rafa feels extra motivated. Yeah. to put the young guys in their but, place. He said that before the Dimonor match. When, when 
Nadal was uh, when Sitsipas was throwing piling on the pressure and he was absolutely middling backhand returns and this stream of points were coming from Nadal with a swinging serve out wide but he was middling some of these returns and even though he middled them straight down the middle deep Nadal takes one step and then swipes forehand winners one after another but there was one point tonight where Sitsipas was in charge he sent Nadal wide to his forehand I know people have seen this sort of shot before but I've never seen one quite like this never he's outside the tram lines and he bends his forehand around the net post and into the postage stamp corner literally round the net post I, I'm seeing it come towards me in our commentary box position and I, I, I just was my breath was taken away uh, I, I've, it was the, I think at the time it, I think it's the best shot I've ever seen and even when I wow. replayed it on, wow. on Dan Evans hear you say that on video <laughs> I watched it afterwards it was better it, this was intentional it was it was sorcerous it was powerful it was like watching a footballer bending a, a, a ball around a wall and into the top corner and just watch it folks watch it on a loop uh, it was, and, and, and I think it left Sits of us thinking, well, what, what can I possibly do? He then mentally in the third set, he, he lost it. He'd gone. And he, he was trying, but he'd just gone mentally. Six love set, comes off the court, comes into this press conference. And I, I joined the press conference halfway through. I walked in and I saw him. It felt like you were in a bit of a therapy session. He was just telling everybody in the room how he was feeling, and, and he was lost. He was lost in the moment. He just could not understand how it had all happened. He couldn't understand how he'd played. In his opinion, he'd played well, and he, and he had got not even close. And he really thought he was going to win the match, and at the very least, he thought he was going to be close. He, he was so upset, so hurt, that... He couldn't get close to him and and I mean I found that so interesting because it feels really unusual to me for a first timer who's 20 years old to, to be playing one of the greatest players of all time and not be able to get any comfort from any of that at all he couldn't but he couldn't he couldn't say brilliant, oh isn't it he couldn't think to himself oh it's it's all right it's Nadal this happens against Nadal he couldn't think oh I'm young I'm going to get better the way there's sometimes no he wanted to do it right now and he wanted to win and he wanted to win the title and he could not believe that he wasn't going to do it and it really really upset him he looked like he'd been crying he looked like he was going to burst into tears any second and you sit there watching him and you just feel his pain and I wanted exactly, to give him a hug <laughs> that's, those are exactly the same qualities that won him all those break points on his serve against Roger Federer you know they, the, 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 it, yeah they are that's that's why he won that match and that's why he's so upset about losing tonight and that's why or part of why Goran said the things he did about him in the first part of this podcast and and provided he channels that positively that sounds a bit bracelet wearing <laughs> Agassi Dimitrov doesn't it but you know what I mean yeah sure um that is a that is the right reaction but that, that is the reaction of of a future champion no yeah. and it is also the reaction of Daniel Collins a bit today that everyone took completely differently you know who does she think she is she should sort of just be happy that she's in the semi-finals and and 
you know, be more gracious about it and, and just sort of think, oh, well, it was good to get there. I played really well and, and I'll, I'll, I'll accept my, my place in things now. No, I want my place. I yeah. believe my place is somewhere better that. and I'm going to fight for it tooth and nail. And, and, and okay, they, go, they do go about it. You know, Sitsipas is slightly more gentle about the way he expresses that message and Daniel Hall is, is undeniably in your face, but it's the same attitude. Yeah. There was, there was also a lovely technical, very naive, I thought, comment from Sitsipas at the end, which was, again, endearing, I thought. He said, you know, I, I, looked at, I look at the record between Nadal and Federer, and I'm like, how has Federer ever beaten him? <laughs> how has he got all these wins against him? He plays kind of like me, and, and I, just, I just don't know how he's got all these wins. And I need to f- work this out. Um, yeah, he's pretty good, that Federer guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and well, you know, and I, I'm must, sure there'll there'll be must Federer, be more like Federer. There says will, every young tennis look, player. There will be Federer, pe- Federer fans up in arms saying, "Who's this Sitsabas think he is?" Think, comparing himself to Federer, but I take the point. He's not mm. he's not dis- dissing Roger Federer at all. Not that's not his intention. It, no, but you know, if you're Stefano Sitsabas, he must surely have watched, especially specifically with the single-handed backhand. Um, which we all know is something that Nadal eats for breakfast. I would imagine the first thing that he watched on YouTube, which he loves and explains to us how to use, would would have been the final here two years ago. Yeah. Which was that first time that we saw well, Federer suddenly have the come blueprint. Out, have the blueprint for using that single-handed backhand aggressively to beat Nadal. Problem, that, problem surely is, that was the, the top thing of his is list. he was middling a few backhands and they would. It, they just weren't having any effect. I mean, I, I mean, and there is more to Federer's being able to compete with Nadal than just the backhand. Yes, of course. There um, is, yeah. But also, I think the thing, you know, it's no wonder Sitsipas was shell-shocked because there was a quote after his quarterfinal press conference where he said, after the match against Nadal in Toronto, I went back into the locker room and I... I promised myself I was going to do better next time against Nadal. Yeah, this is what's hurt him. He He really promised himself. Yeah, he he really thought he could. Imagine imagine generally speaking, he's a man that keeps his promises as well. Yeah, he feels things very deeply, does uh, young Stefanos. It'll make make him better. He's great. He's great for the game. Just want to say... When I think back to our draw dissection podcast, we don't do that, David. I don't think we don't do that. Did any of us have Nadal in the quarters? No, no. no. Now, embarrassing. Look, I thought Nadal physically could not cope. Right? He, I don't think even Nadal thought that he was going to cope properly after Brisbane. I mean, he said as much after the match. You know, he was being held together really after Brisbane. It has been so uplifting to be proved completely wrong because. I did not see this as being possible. His level of tennis right now is as high as it's ever been, in my opinion. I don't see how he could have played better than he did tonight. A couple of people have pointed out fairly that he hasn't hasn't played a top ten player to get to the final, but he'd have wiped the floor with everybody, pretty much. And, And it'll be fascinating to watch him against Djokovic if it happens if Djokovic plays his best then I'm, we're going to be there at two in the morning yeah you know which I'm going to be looking at both of them with with blood soaked socks again yes which was when, what year was Tw- that 2012 wasn't it 
yeah. that they played the all-time long, the nearly six-hour finals. When they needed chairs during the yeah. long speeches. For, yeah. new, for new listeners, just explain the blood-soaked socks. I line. just happen, uh, They have this sort of strange thing here where the, the area outside the locker rooms is almost a corridor um, that certain media have access to, broadcast media have access to it, um, and I, 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 I honestly promise I was not loitering outside the men's locker rooms. Um, but I happened to be walking past in the aftermath of that. I think I'd been sent to get some reaction from people. Yes. Um, so sort of was loitering a bit. <laughs> but anyway, the um, the door to the locker room was open because I think they were they arrange a champions photo shoot with the trophy and with the yes. team and everything in that locker room. But it was before... Djokovic had got back to the locker room with the trophy and it was just Nadal in there he had taken his trainers off and his socks I, I just saw it in, in the open doorway, his socks were soaked in blood and they'd played for what, 5 hours 50? 5 hours 53 yeah. something like that yeah. uh, you could which have, I mean, is look, not obviously, human <laughs> at least you have a final set tie break now but you could, if they play the level that they did certainly Nadal did tonight and, and I can imagine it being like it yeah. was at Wimbledon I really mm. can I, yeah. just, how, how could it not be just on Nadal I just wanted to you know say my piece on Nadal you know I, I don't I don't think it was a controversial thing to think at the start of the tournament that no. Nadal wouldn't last no, no, you know, Carlos Moya Matt said to me a few days ago he's surprised the logic was sad, how how well Rafa's yeah. done here he said he needed matches luckily he's been able to get those matches during the tournament but he said you just never know if he'd come up against somebody early on mm. that had challenged him when he didn't have the matches under well, his belt he's, he's, then things could have been different but he's had the opportunity he's given himself the opportunity mm. to play his way into form and his most competitive scoreline was that first round I mean he but other other than that, it's been Roland Garros esque domination. Yeah. I mean, he's he's barely losing games. Plus, he's he's doing it with a big serve. He's yeah. hitting his serve harder. He's absolutely unloading on every ground slope stroke. He's not running. And, and, and when you watch him like that, you think, okay, this guy is probably the best defender in the world. And then he's got this added layer of attack. And you think, okay, he's probably the most dominant, aggressive player in the world. And you just think. How can you beat him? And really, there is only one guy who, who you would give a chance against Nadal in this form, and that is Djokovic at his best because he can do things to Nadal that other players can't with um, his movement and his backhand. And and hey, Carlos Moya, coach of Rafael Nadal, he's been coached by his uncle Tony for his whole career. He's a 17-time Grand Slam champion already. He's 32 years old, and Carlos Moya said, hey, we're going to change your serve. Mm. We're going to make you play a bit differently. We're going to make you be more aggressive. And, well, credit to them both, because Nadal's not gone. Uh, Carlos, I've won 17 (laughs) Grand Slams. I'm all right, thanks. I'll stick with my serve. And credit to Carlos for having the idea to do it, for making it happen. All of it. I mean, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And, And the thing about, you know, what Goran was saying earlier about the, the, the traits necessary to, to be a good coach you know you need to be able to either not have a big ego or to be, to be able to put your ego aside and I think that also applies to the player like if you've mm. got too big an ego to accept the advice that you're paying for to go actually you know I'm doing you know that's that's not you know that's not the way I think 
it's one thing employing someone and sort of ticking the box and going yeah they seem great but actually when they're telling you you're doing things wrong and you have been doing things wrong it actually takes probably some ego swallowing to accept all of that Um, so I find it extraordinary that a 32 year old 17 time Grand Slam champion and his coach have have done that good for them good for them right folks um couple of uh, quick results just to bring you uh, the men's doubles final has been set up it is going to be Henri Continent and John Piers up against uh, two blokes we really like Pierre Ugebert and Nicolas Mahou are both into the men's finals and uh, I, there's a there's a little story in the blog about what a nice bloke Pierre Ugebert is by oh, the way okay make sure you I've, make sure you I've check that out i preview it sounds great okay I'm looking for, I haven't read it yet I'm looking forward to that uh, so yeah fine we'll do that Neil Skupski British player in the mixed doubles lost out alongside Martinez Sanchez against Ram and Krichitskova uh, the third seeds, so they're into the final. That's not how I've been pronouncing that name. <laughs> well, for the that's past because that's because I just got it wrong. <laughs> uh, so that's 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 about what I've got to tell you for now. Um, we will be back tomorrow. We're, we're hopeful we might have another guest. I'm not saying any more, but we'll see. Um, make sure you follow us the, on Instagram and the Twitter. The guest bar has been set high. Yes, it has. Goran has, yes, I'd say he's delivered after being stalked. Um, <laughs> and sign up to our newsletter, which will have predictions in it. Um, and yeah. Read Matt's blog is great. Read Matt's blog. Make sure you tell people, folks. We've had lots of notes sent to us saying, I've t- I told somebody who was sitting next to me at the tennis the other day about the tennis podcast. I've been telling people at my in my school. I've been telling people at work. Keep doing that, folks. And we'll be back with another tennis podcast for you tomorrow in association with The Telegraph. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.